0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Picnic from 1955. The studio was Columbia Pictures. The release date was December 7th, 1955. The running time, 115 minutes, and it was in color. Technicolor, for that matter. Leonard Maltin, from his classic movie guide, gives it three and a half out of four stars. His synopsis says, Excellent film of William Inge's Pulitzer Prize winning play about a drifter, played by William Holden, who stops over in Kansas, stealing the alluring Kim Novak from his old buddy Cliff Robertson, who is making his film debut. Now, most younger viewers will know him as Uncle Ben from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. I put that in, not Leonard Maltin. Rosalind Russell and Arthur O'Connell almost walk away with the film in second leads and secondary roles as they are expertly filled. Now, I first saw Picnic at the wonderful Stanford Theater in Palo Alto, California, and they only show classic films there from the 1920s through the early 1960s. And I hope once the pandemic really kind of ends, if it ever does, uh, it reopens because they haven't been open since 2020. Okay, let's get into the main cast. So you have William Holden who plays Hal Carter. Holden's career began in the late 1930s with the film Golden Boy, and then he served in the Air Force during World War II. He had a good film career, pre and post war, but it really didn't take off until the 1950s. Then he had his breakout roles with Sunset Boulevard with Gloria Swanson, and Born Yesterday with Judy Holiday. After that, he was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood and his other notable films included Stalag 17 and Sabrina with Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. Kim Novak plays Madge Owens. Now, Novak was still very early in her career, but Picnic would be her breakout role. Prior to Picnic, she was in the comedy... Yes, that's... I'll cover that, ...is a sound of a, of a movie that's spelled P-F-F-F-T. Yep. I own the film, so that'll be fun too. Anyway, that had Jack Lemmon and Judy Holliday in it, and also she was in The Man with the Golden Arm with Frank Sinatra. Her later best-known roles would come after Picnic with Pal Joey with Rita Hayworth and Sinatra, Vertigo, and Bell Book and Candle with James Stewart. Rosalind Russell plays Rosemary, Picnic was later in Russell's career, but she was one of the best comedic actresses in film history and one of my favorites from the classic era. My favorite films from her include His Girl Friday with Cary Grant, My Sister Eileen, and Auntie Mame. The director, Joshua Logan. Logan began his career as a Broadway actor and director before getting into film. He directed one feature film in 1938, but didn't return to film again until 1955, when he filled in for an ailing John Ford to help finish the movie Mr. Roberts. Later that year, he directed Picnic. He would continue to go back and forth between Hollywood and Broadway. And some of his best-known films after Picnic were Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe, Sayonara with Marlon Brando, South Pacific, Camelot, and Paint Your Wagon. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So Columbia acquired the rights to the play for $350,000 in September of 1953. Now, William Holden was actually far too old to play the role of Hal. He was 37 at the time, but he was a top-name draw at the time, and Hollywood had always been notorious for suspending disbelief when it comes to actors playing younger roles. Marlon Brando actually turned down the role of Hal Carter because he thought the film was too close to A Streetcar Named Desire, which he had filmed in 1951. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with the drifter Hal Carter, played by William Holden, arriving in Kansas on a freight train as a stowaway, and it's Labor Day weekend.
1: Hey, son, this is where you want it off. Oh. Well, thank you, sir. And thank you for the hitch, too. I've ridden them lots of times when I was your age myself. What do you want here? A friend of mine lives here. This old man's a big shot in the grain business. Real rich. Honest. Sure. The governor's an old sidekick of mine. That's how I got this job. <laughs>
2: mouthwater ah it's beautiful mrs. Potts well thank you dear
1: About your yard, ma'am, I could, uh, I could rake it up and, uh, earn your trash for you or, uh, any other kind of job needs done.
2: My gracious! Nobody works today. No? It's Labor Day. Oh. Are you hungry?
1: Well, I guess my stomach didn't know it was labor day
2: ma'am
1: <laughs> oh, you just stop being embarrassed and come in and have some breakfast oh not unless i clean up your yard all
2: right but after you eat come on come on get in the house there and get somebody
0: the woman whom Hal accepts the invite from is helen potts played by verna felton next door lives the owens and you heard the youngest daughter millie played by susan strasberg talking to mrs potts her older sister is the town beauty named madge played by kim novak and then their mother, Flo, is played by Betty Fields. Madge is preparing for the town event that night, which is the big picnic. Millie is more of a tomboy. Also, living in the house and renting a room from the Owens is a middle-aged school teacher named Rosemary, played by Rosalind Russell. Now, Rosemary is a bit delusional about her desirability towards men, and she's getting up there in age, which amuses the Owens girls. Hal finishes his breakfast, which is a homemade cherry pie, and then he goes out to the yard to pay off his debt of kindness from Mrs. Potts. Mrs. Potts lives with her very elderly mother and takes care of her. Hal is embarrassed that his one shirt is so dirty and Mrs. Potts kindly offers to wash it for him. So this means he's going to be doing his yard work shirtless, which grabs the attention of Rosemary next door, who amusingly is putting cold cream on her face while she stares at Hal.
2: over there naked as an Indian.
3: Who's naked as an Indian?
2: Who does he think is interested? Good morning. Hey,
3: bomber, you stoop. You want to knock the house down?
2: Go back to bed, will you? Go blow your nose. Uh, Tell your pretty sister to come out. It's no fun looking at you. Goon face. You take that back, you dirty little pest! Hey, look at the goon face he fights, just like a man. Oh, boy! Ow! One of these days, you're gonna come around here and I'll shoot you, so help me. Morning, Madge. Hello, bomber. A bunch of us guys are, uh, are chipping in on a hot rod. I get it every Friday night. Well, don't expect to honk the horn and have me run out. If a boy wants a date, he can come to the door like a gentleman and ask if I'm in. Alan Benson sends her flowers every time they go out. I can't send you flowers, baby, but, uh, I can send you. Yeah. Let me pick you up some night after Benson brings you home, huh? Come on, Madge. Oh, Palmer, will you stop being ridiculous? i seen you riding around in his convertible like you as a duchess. Why do good-looking girls
1: have to be so stuck on themselves?
2: I am not stuck on myself. Let me pick you up some night after Benson brings you home. Come on, Madge. Oh, Bomber, will you let Madge, me alone? come on, Madge. Give a guy oh, a Bomber. break. Give a guy a break. On Please.
1: your way, lover boy. Who are you? What's that matter? I'm bigger than you are.
2: Hey, I'm late on my rock! Yeah.
3: Go on, go peddle your papers. Yeah. Huh? Drop dead.
1: Hi. 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 Uh-huh.
2: You working for Mrs. Potts?
1: Uh, just doing a few odd jobs in the yard. Uh,
2: she give you breakfast? Really, stop it. I need you girls to help me with the picnic sandwiches, so... Is there something you want, young man?
1: Just loafing, ma'am.
2: This is a busy day for us. We have no time to loaf.
1: Are you the, uh... Mother?
2: Yes. Come on, Millie. Madge. Madge. Yes. Come here. Come here a minute. knows Alan. Isn't that nice?
1: Yeah. I never been to Kansas before. Uh, Maybe you can tell me where Benson lives.
2: He lives on the other end of town. Ask anyone over there. Alan's father's an elevator man. Huh? Yes, he owns all those big grain elevators. See ya. See
0: ya. Hal then decides to visit his old college buddy Alan Benson, played by Cliff Robertson. He lives down the street.
1: Benson? Hal Carter. Kid. Well, where did you come from? All around. What, you old son of a gun of all the people in the world <laughs> Hey, now watch it! Now watch it! Hey, watch it, No, no! Hey, remember how we used to wake up that fraternity? Do I? Yahoo! Who's Lincoln? and staken. Dad, this is Hal Carter. Oh, yes, so it is. I remember you on the football field. Thank you, Mr. Benson, sir. Well, you still look able to dodge a few tacklers. Well, you look pretty fit yourself, sir. <laughs> well, I try. I try great guy. When did you get into town? Early this morning. Imagine living in a place like this. Why didn't you come to see me first thing? I didn't want to walk in on you looking like a bum. I thought, I thought maybe I'd scrounge around and get me a little change and pick me up a new shirt. Well, that wouldn't have made any difference. Hal Carter. Where have you been all these years? Oh, I was working back home in the filling station. Then I was in the army? Yeah, how long? Till I got out. I, uh, I heard you went to Hollywood to become a big movie hero. (laughs) I was gonna have a big career. They were gonna call me Brush Carter. Well, what happened, Brush? This babe told me they were gonna have to pull out all my teeth and get me new ones, so naturally I... Oh, no, wait a minute. What babe? The babe that got me the screen test. She wasn't exactly a babe. She was kind of beat up, but, uh... Not bad. Same old Hal. Aren't you glad to see me? Well, sure. Well, (laughs) How about lend me a razor? (laughs) Okay, go on. Now, fill me in. Well, after I left Hollywood, I, uh... I took a job on a ranch in Nevada. You'd have been proud of me. In bed every night at 10, Up every morning at six. No liquor, no babes, no nothing. I even saved up 200 bucks. Then I got rolled. Rolled? You? I was, um, hitchhiking my way down to Texas on a big oil deal. When two babes pull up in this big yellow convertible and one of them slams on the brake and hollers, Hey, Beefcake, get in. So I... got in. Benson, it was crazy. They had a shaker full of martinis right there in the... Remembering old times? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, no, sir. Well, I'm due at the club, Alan. Join me later, if you wish. I've got a date, Dad. Same young lady? Of course. delighted to have seen you carter oh it's mutual sir it's a great car go on now tell me what happened exactly well you know me i'm a, am an agreeable guy sure so when they park in front of this tourist cabin i said uh, okay girls if i gotta pay for the ride this is the easiest way i know so we got busy on the martinis Gee, they must have thought I was Superman. Nothing like that ever happens to me. So then I said, Okay, girls, party's over. Let's get going. And one of them sticks a gun right in my back and she says, This party's going on till we say it's over, Buck. (laughs) You'd have thought she was Humphrey Bogart. Now, wait a minute now. Then what? Well, so finally I passed out. And when I woke up, the dames were gone and so was my 200 bucks. I went to the police and they wouldn't believe me. They said my story was wishful thinking. How do you like that? I'm telling you, Benson, women are getting desperate. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So while Alan's father doesn't seem to really approve of him seeing Madge, Flo really wants her to marry Alan. Most likely so she can be taken care of by the wealthy Benson family. In a Kind of funny but sad in a pathetic sort of way, Flo tries to tell Madge that she's running out of time, as her beauty will only last a few more years. By the way, Madge is 19, (laughs) so however the viewer can tell this is just Flo passing along her own romantic failures to Madge. On the other hand, Millie is very intelligent, always reading a book and receiving a college scholarship, but is upset that all the attention is thrust upon Madge due to her beauty whereas Madge could barely pass high school, but she got by due to her looks. Flo's husband and father to Madge and Millie walked out on them shortly after Millie was born. And part of the reason Flo seems to give Millie more attention is due to her not having a father around her whole life, where Madge did have a little bit of the father time. Now, Alan's father owns a giant corporation and multiple factories in town, and Alan gives Hal a tour of one of them. Hal eventually asks if he would be able to get a job in one of the factories, and Alan says that's no problem. But Hal has delusions of grandeur and thinks that because he was an old college buddy with Alan, that he could just land an office job. Well, not so fast there, Hal. Hal is sort of typical of the star athlete or very popular kid who peaked in high school and or college. They are used to having everything come easy for them because of their natural talent. And then when the times get rough, they just don't have that work ethic that everyone else had established on their own. How is is one of those guys that everything came easy to him because of his sports talent. Now what's interesting about Picnic is how risque it was for the time. The double entendre and, and implied sexual overtones is actually pretty interesting to watch. But again, today it's absolutely tame but I can imagine it caused quite a stir in 1953. For example, after Hal, Alan, Madge, and Millie go swimming, they're drying off in a shared locker room separated by a thin wall for men and women. Millie playfully tries to look through the wall, and Hal tells her to back off or she'll get a real education. (laughs) Back to the film, everyone is getting ready to go to the picnic. Alan is taking Madge. Hal is going to take Millie, which is amusing since in real life William Holden was about 20 years older than Susan Strasberg, which would have been 37 compared to 17. And then the really funny quote-unquote couple is Rosemary and Howard, played by Arthur O'Connell. Rosemary always acts nonchalant and aloof with Howard. But in reality, she realizes Howard is the only person that really likes her, no matter how obnoxious she is. On the drive over, they take three separate cars. We discover from Alan that Hal would have been an All-American in college if he had only studied. He flunked out his junior year. So while Millie and the other women are all smitten with Hal for his good looks and fun personality, he's really the boy who never grew up. In the car of Howard and Rosemary, we see a bygone era as Howard decides to take a swig of whiskey while driving. And Rosemary doesn't even seem to care that he's drinking and driving due to safety concerns, but only that her reputation might get tarnished if anyone from the school board saw. (laughs) Now this picnic is huge, and it's more like a county fair than a quote-unquote picnic. There's tons of activities for the town. The gang has a great time with all the events throughout the day. However, when they stop to relax, the shine on Hal starts to fade as the questions come about. Like what line of work he's in, And what about his life prior to arriving in Kansas? It's obvious when Hal talks about himself that he's boasting to make himself look better. But he's not fooling anyone, and his pride can't allow himself to be humble. So as a beautiful late summer sunset turns into night, the gang splits into groups and have random talks. Eventually, it's time to name the Queen of Nawala, which is Halloween spelled backwards. Of course, Madge is the winner to the shock of nobody, and she rides on a float down the river. After the announcement of the Queen, the dance begins with Rosemary and Howard getting progressively more and more sloshed. Rosemary dances with Millie as Hal and Howard jokingly dance together. Eventually, they switch partners and Hal teaches Millie to dance. But then Madge appears and suddenly Hal's attention quickly turns to her and the two dance together very seductively. There is an undeniable spark between the two which horrifies Flo as she doesn't want her daughter getting involved with a drifter. After the dance ends, we then see the ball of fire that has been released in Rosemary from Howard's rock Gut Whiskey.
2: Why can't you dance that way?
0: Golly, honey, I'm a
2: businessman. (laughs) One night I went dancing at a big Valentine party. (laughs) I danced so hard, I swooned. (laughs) That's when they called me the dancing fool. Mighty pretty legs. Oh, that's just like you men. Can't talk about anything but women's legs.
1: I just noticed they had a nice shape.
2: How would you like it if we women went around talking about your legs all the time? All right. There's my legs. Ah! <laughs> I never saw anything so ugly.
1: <laughs>
2: Young man, let's see your legs. Oh no! Wait, wait, no no no! New no. rule tonight. Every man here's got to show his legs. No no. Come no. on come on come on come on the other one too. No no. Yeah. Well, let him alone. He's dancing with March. Well, it's his turn to dance with me. I may be an old maid school teacher, but I can keep up with you. Come on now, ride him, cowboy. But ma'am, I I. Used to have a boyfriend, was a cowboy, met him in Colorado. He was in love with me because I was an older woman and had some sense. (coughs) Oh, sorry. Took me up in the mountains one night and wanted to marry me. Right there on the mountaintop. Said the stars would be our preacher and the moon our best man. Did you ever hear such talk? Uh, you know what? You you remind me of one of those old statues, one of those Roman gladiators. All I had on was a shield. <laughs> uh, look, man, my, I My those ancient people were depraved. I, I don't think I can dance, I... with well, my... I can keep up with you. No, please, no, I want to dance. You look, please, look, dance me. Please, I gotta dance. Please, I...
1: Is dancing with Marge. Now let him alone. They're young people. Young?
2: What do you mean they're uh, young? Uh, oh, oh Millie. 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 Oh, I'm sick. <laughs> I want to die. Over here, Millie. Over here, darling. I hate you. Millie. Madge is the pretty one Madge is the pretty one What's that for? Guess that's something wonderful young. How much do you suppose the little dickens I want to oh. know who fed liquor to Millie He did, Mrs. Owens It's all his fault
1: Oh, wait a minute, Rosemary
3: Mrs.
2: Owens Millie, was your sure I- date You should have been looking after her But you were too busy making eyes at Madge Rosemary, Mrs. Holmes, the boy, didn't do anything. You've been stomping around here in those boots like you owned the place, thinking every woman you saw was going to fall madly in love. Well, here's one woman didn't pay you any mind bragging about your father. I bet he wasn't any better than you are, strutting around here like some crummy Apollo. You think just because you act, young, you can walk in here and make up with whatever you like. But let me tell you something you're a fake you're no jive kid you're just scared to act your age buy yourself a mirror sometime and take a look in it won't be many years now before you're counting the gray hairs if you got any left and what'll become of you then you'll end your life in the gutter and it'll serve you right because the gutter's where you came from and the gutter's where you belong shut oh, your shut your mouth <laughs>
1: Turn that off. This isn't a sideshow. Go, go on, go on. On about your business. Go on, go on about your business. Go on, get out of here. What Turn off that light, I said. What happened, Hal? I... Well, answer me. What did you do? Same old Hal. I'm sorry, Mrs. Owens. I should have known better than to trust him.
2: I want it understood there's to be no more drinking.
1: It was my fault, Mrs. Owens. I brought the whiskey.
2: Alan, come and help me with Millie.
0: Man, what a performance by Rosalind Russell in that last scene, and while she doesn't have a lot of scenes in the film, she absolutely steals every time she's in the film. Hal tries to leave by himself, but Mads jumps in the car with him, and they drive out to one of Mr. Benson's factories. Mads tries to console Hal because she's a lot like him. Nobody treats either one of them seriously. Part of the reason we discover Hal is the way he is is due to his rough childhood and he divulges everything to Madge, who ends up kissing him. Now, let's return back to the fun couple that is Howard and Rosemary.
1: Well, here we are, honey, right back where we started from. Everybody else must be home hours. I'm glad we went off. Good night, Rosemary. Maybe I should say good morning.
2: Where are you going, Howard? My home, honey. You can't go off without me. Not after tonight. Take me with you.
1: Honey, be reasonable. What would people say?
2: People? What do people say if I thumb my nose at them? What do people say if I walk down the street and show them my pink panties? Why do I care what people say? Oh, Mary.
1: Well, oh, look, honey. You'd better go inside and get some sleep you gotta start school in the morning can't we talk this over on saturday
2: maybe you won't be back saturday rosemary you know better than that maybe you won't be back ever again you're not yourself tonight I am. I'm more myself than I ever was. I see what's in store for me. After you. Someone else, then... Someone else, then... Take me with you, Howard. If you don't know what I'll do with myself, I mean it.
1: When we first started to go together, You were the best boy I ever
2: saw. Always good for a laugh. I can't laugh anymore. You said you were going to marry me, Howard. You said when I got back from my vacation, you'd be waiting with the preacher. Honey, I had a very good summer. Where's the preacher, Howard? Where is he? I'm not
1: a boy anymore person forms certain ways of living. And then one day it's too late to change.
2: I'm no spring chicken either. Maybe I'm a little older than you think. My ways are formed too. They can be changed. they got to be changed. It's no good living like this and... Rented rooms. Even a bunch of old maids for supper every night. And coming back home. Alone. <laughs> Each year I keep telling myself it's the last. <laughs> Something will happen. Nothing ever does. <laughs> i get a little crazier all the time well oh well's all hole in the ground howard
1: i wasn't trying to be funny rosemary can't we talk this over on saturday i'm dead tired i got a busy week ahead of me you
2: gotta marry me howard
1: I can't marry you now.
2: You can be over in the morning.
3: No.
1: I'm not going to marry any horses. you got to marry me, Holly. I mean... The thing is, if a woman wants me to marry her, she can at least say, please. Please marry me, Howard. I'll drive Maybe we can talk it over.
2: Don't come unless you're taking me away, Howard. Please, Mary, Howard. Please. Go to bed. Please.
1: Get some sleep.
0: Again, Rosalind Russell steals the show here. She actually should have won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, and she wasn't even nominated. Now, Columbia Pictures wanted to promote Rosalind Russell for an Academy Award nomination, but Russell refused to be placed in the Best Supporting category, and many felt she would have won if she had only cooperated. But during that last brilliant scene that I played with Russell and O'Connell, what they were really looking at was the leading edge of a very large approaching thunderstorm. It actually contained a tornado, which had hit a nearby town, and a few minutes after shooting the scene, the movie company themselves had to take cover. Okay, there's about 30 minutes left in the film, so will Howard return in the morning to marry Rosemary? And will How and Madge get together? Or will he continue to be the drifter who was born to walk alone? Thank you, Whitesnake, for that. I'm sure David Coverdale was a fan of this film when he wrote Here I Go Again. So while Picnic might feel a bit slow to some today, it's really a terrific film that showcases the acting talents that are found in this film. Also, I did a past episode where we did films that take place in one day. It probably should have made that list. I don't remember what I put on that list. So go back and listen and jog my memory. All right, some fun facts. So Picnic was nominated for six Oscars, and it won two of them. It won for Best Art Direction and Film Editing. It lost Best Picture and Director to the film Marty. And Arthur O'Connell lost Best Supporting Actor to Jack Lemmon for the film Mr. Roberts. For a scene where she had to cry, Kim Novak asked the director to pinch her black and blue off-screen, telling him, I can only cry when I'm hurt. William Holden didn't want to do the dance sequence with Kim Novak, fearing they would make him look foolish. He even told co-star Cliff Robinson, I just don't know how to dance. So he was hoping to persuade the studio to cut the dance scene, and Holden insisted on being paid $8,000 as a stuntman premium to his surprise the studio actually paid up and holden was forced to do the dance scene although he was allowed to do it under the influence of alcohol holden actually shaved his chest for the film in order to make himself look younger so kim novak's hair was dyed a reddish auburn which was a switch from her usual shade of platinum blonde and this was done in order to give her character a more innocent and youthful look So the local extras on the film were so exhausted after a long day of filming the picnic scenes at the lake that they began to leave before Joshua Logan, the director, was done shooting key scenes. In a panic, Logan asked Rosalind Russell to talk to the crowd and somehow convince them to stay. So Russell grabbed a microphone and regaled the extra with tales of Hollywood and her life in the film industry. Now this ruse worked and the extras remained until Logan was ready to begin filming again. So in 1957, a marketing investigator named James Vickery announced that for six weeks, he had included subliminal messages in showings of this movie, Picnic. And the messages supposedly said, eat popcorn, drink Coca-Cola. According to Vickery, the sales of these products increased from 18% to 57%. Even though his experiment led to his fame, Vickery never gave details about how he came to his conclusions. And he even later admitted that In interviews, that everything was just a marketing trick. Okay, that's it for the fun facts. Next, I have a special guest, Samantha, who has never seen this film before, and so she saw it for the first time, so I get her first impression of this film. And I'll return next week for yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with Samantha. Welcome back, Samantha
3: hi thanks for having me of course (laughs)
0: you're (laughs) you're the resident go-to uh classic movie film buff and so this has been a lot of fun there's another one you haven't seen and it's a picnic from 1955 now i picked this because this is outside kind of the box that we've been going with because usually we pick thrillers or screwball comedies or Things like that. But this is a straight-up melodrama. Oh,
3: my gosh, was it? Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) Before we get into the actual film, uh, had you seen any William Holden or Kim Novak uh, movies?
3: William Holden, like, I think he's one where I I recognize him from various things, but I can't pinpoint a a favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But Kim Novak, like, she was in um, Vertigo. Right. So, That's one of the greatest. Um, But honestly, I don't think I've seen too many of her other movies. Um, Again, maybe just random one-off viewings.
0: (laughs) I think you might like Bell Book and Candle because it's very much like the, it was probably the impetus for Bewitched. Um, she, cause she plays like a, a, a nice witch basically. <laughs> so
3: oh, okay. and
0: the only thing you might not, cause I know you're not a huge fan of Jimmy Stewart. He's the, he's the main no. lead, but, uh, <laughs> but you might like her because she's in it. So
3: I should look that one up for sure. That so the, fun. so
0: Picnic was adapted from a play. Uh, did that, t- did it feel like a stage stage adaptation to you?
3: It did. I, as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, I will bet that this was based <laughs> off of some sort of drama play Broadway something mm-hmm. or other I it totally was yeah I think just how how it evolved and the the plot was fairly basic and just again like as you mentioned the extreme melodrama felt like a play the whole yeah time.
0: and it it basically a lot happens in basically a weekend. So
3: it was a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like Pretty Labor much. Day. Yeah, a lot happened.
3: A lot happened.
0: So I don't know if you knew this, but um, William Holden was was the main choice. It was supposed to be Marlon Brando, and he turned it down. Oh. Do you think Brando would have been better in this role?
3: Ooh, I would have much preferred. Marlon okay. Brando. <laughs> On personal preference. Yeah. Um, I think also age-wise, he would have been a little better. Yeah. And William Holden showed up and they started talking. And I was trying to figure out how old is this guy supposed to be in this movie? Because he clearly looks like he's pushing 40.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: He's hanging out with people who's college
0: business. grad. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that yeah, I would have, I think I'd much rather have liked to watch. Uh, Marlon Brando here
0: yeah I think so and then this would have been like Pete Brando period too so
3: yeah like and yeah. kind of that like quiet rebel from you know a bad background like that was his total vibe so
0: and I'm trying to remember do you remember what year James Dean died
3: uh, around here
0: yeah 19- so it had been 55 55
3: 56
0: he could have put I think he could have been pretty good in this role too
3: yeah and I did, I think he would have been great too. I did recently um, re-watch East of Eden. Yeah. And I think, yeah, his demeanor and his whole persona, again, I think would have been a good fit.
0: Definitely. How did you feel about Hal? And were you sympathetic to his character at all? Or did it take a while to warm up to him? Or did you ever warm up to him?
3: I don't know. His, that was just an odd character. Mm-hmm. I From the beginning When he he gets off the train, like he's, seems like he's hitchhiking around the country. And I felt like something bad was going to happen (laughs) from the beginning. Like more, I think more serious than, you know, what actually did. Right. But yeah, I thought he was kind of giving me like, I don't know, con man. Sure. uh, Running from the law, like that type of feeling um, because he didn't really know what his intentions were like he was just showing up to his old friend's house and I I had suspicious feelings but he ended up being portrayed as like this very kind of charming nice guy and he didn't try to do anything horrible actually he did have genuine intentions Mm -hmm. I think to um, work with this former friend, and although he was a bit naive. Um, oh, totally. And kind of, he just didn't really fit in with this community. So I had trouble, I think, trying to interpret and I don't know, like totally empathize with his character because it didn't seem developed enough for me. Yeah, it, it was weird. I just didn't really know what was going to happen. And then Really, nothing happened that I was kind of feeling would happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because if it was a film noir, yeah, he would have been a con man. Yeah, something like that. So you were probably kind of like um, uh, Kim Novak's mom in the film, where she was kind of skeptical from the beginning about
3: him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, good point.
0: And uh, I did like the um, uh, Madge's sister, um, Millie. She she was kind of fun.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. She was a good kind of boil to the two sisters i think it was that classic combo
0: sure so how did you feel about madge uh, her character at least
3: yeah again i think with her i thought her character was pretty flat and there she did have some lines like you could tell they were trying to build her as this maybe woman who wants more to life and is just seen as a very like shallow, pretty person. Um, I think she right. said one time just straight out, like I'm tired of everyone just seeing me as a pretty girl or something <laughs> like that, or I'm not just a pretty girl. And I think that was really on- Her only characterization was yeah. pretty she was supposed to marry this, you know, wealthy guy in the community. This, like, kind of gruff guy comes in, and now she's thinking, hmm, you know, what's going to happen here? So, yeah, her, her character, like, I think Kim Novak did a good job, Um with what she was given, but I thought the dialogue was cheesy and yeah, her character was pretty basic. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Actually, I think she, yeah, she, she played it as well as she could. have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting seeing like a lot of, um, Younger folks only know Cliff Robertson as probably Spider Man's grandpa, <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the Tobey oh, Maguire cool. version. But yeah, I mean, he was a, obviously a, a very you know.
3: Uh, oh my gosh, I didn't even put that together.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of yeah, it, me, most people won't even realize it's him, but he's yeah. the one that plays um, you know the the quote unquote rival, but he's really his friend. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, but I think the the show stealer of this film. Is Rosemary, uh, played by Rosalind Russell. Yeah. She she really stands out more than anyone.
3: Oh, for sure. And I like right off the bat when she was introduced, I thought, oh, she's going to be my favorite character here <laughs> um, because she was kind of the sassy teacher. Um, and she ended up being horrible, but
0: <laughs> yeah, at the end, yeah.
3: A mean drunk.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and kind of like, out of nowhere became this horribly manipulative person. Just, yeah, the, the end of the movie, everyone just, I think, became the worst versions of themselves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, her character definitely added some flair, I think, to where everyone else was pretty flat and stereotypical. And yeah, it was a lot darker than I expected to. Um, I recently also rewatched um, Auntie Mame.
0: Oh, yeah, which and- is- that's probably her. Well, That's she's had a lot of performances.
3: Phenomenal movie. Oh, it so is. Yeah. I was. I think coming off of seeing that, I saw her in this movie and was like expecting mm-hmm. more comedy, and that was kind of like teased, but not
0: really. <laughs> yeah, she. There was parts of it. The beginning is, but yeah, she does. She actually does an amazing job acting wise in this because there's so many different ranges of emotions in this for her.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, but, oh, so many emotions.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and, uh, and her, her, you know, boyfriend or whatever he is, Howard, He he's kind of the perfect, like, you know, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe him. He's just kind of, um, kind of meh, you know? He's, he's oh, just I felt
3: kind of bad for him.
0: Yeah.
3: He just kind of wanted to live his life and
0: fun. Yeah, yeah.
3: And then <laughs> here he goes, oh, we're getting married today.
0: Yep. <laughs> Had you seen you've seen His Girl Friday, right? With um Rosalind and uh Cary Grant.
3: It's a long time ago. A yeah. long time ago. I can't remember the specifics, but she's always been a funny, funny
0: lady. Yeah, her um her stuff in the 40s is all her mm-hmm. screwball comedies are really well done. So without giving anything away, were you surprised by the ending at all?
3: I guess going off of how it started, I thought something more was going to happen. Yeah. Um more serious i think the conflict was kind of lame actually it was just a classic like misunderstanding mm-hmm. um people lying and jumping to conclusions and all of that and there was Small some town. action yeah. mm-hmm. um i didn't love the melodrama <laughs> um <laughs> everyone is you know we fall in love after 24 hours and <laughs> Let's run away together, type of feeling. um mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a weird one. This movie was weird. I don't know if it just didn't sit right with me, if it didn't age well. um mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just an odd one from the beginning till the end.
0: <laughs> so maybe I I don't know. Maybe it's a more of it because they are in the Midwest. So maybe it's a <laughs> Midwest in the fifties. I don't know.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think too that was something that they were trying to really emphasize was, here's this community in this farming area. They have this weird Labor Day celebration with people singing, (laughs) like, what's going on here? Um, And this, you know, Queen Award that, (laughs) yeah, so the whole Labor Day picnic that this is named off of was very odd. And I think, though, it was a serving this purpose of showing this is a insular community in the midwest and they kind of do things a certain way it's very traditional but then when this guy comes from out of town it like very easily stirs things up right no he really doesn't do anything (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i think it all everything kind of had a purpose um but the I guess the, the theme and the tone, I guess I, I struggled with a bit.
0: Okay. So, so safe to say if Brando had played uh, the main <laughs> character, you may have liked this movie a lot better.
3: <laughs> I, I might have for very shallow reasons. <laughs>
0: so to, to, to kind of wrap up, what would you have changed in, in this? Like, was there anything that stood out that would have been made it uh, more, I don't know, watchable for you?
3: Yeah, I think, I really just did not like the dialogue very much. Mm-hmm. It was super simple, a fill of a lot of cliches. I think this could have been a really cool story if there would have been a little more attention made to the dialogue and building up the characters a little more. Um, but I think since this was based off of a play, we were stuck just seeing these people like at this certain time, like I would have liked to know more about maybe William Holden's characters past Mm -hmm. or why he is the way he is like the other characters more about the town and the community. I don't know. I felt like it could have been built out a little more. That's kind of my modern perspective Uh (laughs) in a way. I think this was really just a typical like 1950s drama. Yeah. And I've seen many like this before with like the similar, similar feeling.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely was a product of its time. They probably liked seeing this. I wouldn't call it racy, but I guess maybe for the time it kind of was. And so maybe yeah. that's why it was successful. <laughs> I don't know. Um,
3: oh, that, too, that yeah. too. I think they were really trying to make it as racy as they could mm-hmm. with all of the rules there were more shirtless scenes in this movie than I've ever seen.
0: Right. Like a 50s. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Movie,
3: and they were trying to, you know, I um, imply a lot, I think, from that, just class-wise and with all the women were kind of lusting after this guy. He's, oh, my gosh. He took <laughs> off his shirts.
0: well it's funny you mentioned that because after doing some research i guess he to make himself look younger he shaved his chest so maybe he knew something was gonna happen from this i think if this was made today there'd be a lot more uh well if it was made in the 80s and the 90s i think you would have a lot more probably sex scenes and things oh for sure yeah
3: 100 percent. yeah it was a funny one yeah the mix of the casting and yeah, the shirtless scenes and the dialogue and also the people just having these crazy emotional reactions, <laughs> like all over the place, just like let's you know, crying out of nowhere and everybody was so emotional. It was it was a lot.
0: <laughs> so would you revisit uh maybe you know five, ten years from now, or is this a one and done? I know.
3: Think I would rewatch it as I don't. It felt really campy to me, mm-hmm. um, and even though that what it wasn't at all at that time. So no. I would probably rewatch it. Maybe pay more attention to certain aspects. Was it one of my favorites? No, no. I can no. see why it kind of held up though and it it didn't win a couple academy awards
0: i know i know so maybe the setting matters when i first saw this i was in my 20s but i saw it at the stanford theater so i was in an oh. actual theater and i was i wouldn't say riveted but i was more engaged i think i would have been yeah. than if i was just sitting at home maybe I, that made a difference
3: oh i could totally see that because i was really impressed by the different filming techniques and yeah I was reading a bit, too, like how this had a m- more focus on like wide angle mm-hmm. shots. And I really, it was a visually appealing movie with some of the lighting and different spotlights on the characters, like when it was dark and mm-hmm. during the night scenes. So, yeah, I think from a, a visual perspective, it was really good. Um, I liked, too, oddly, how they actually filmed it in Kansas
0: right some of
3: the parts like they could have filmed it out somewhere in California
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and, which they did often on a lot yeah, yeah yeah
3: so I did appreciate that it did feel authentic in some in some regards so,
0: and it's easy to forget that you know color wasn't necessarily the standard back then yeah. this wasn't this wasn't color so yeah
3: good point for yeah. sure and I think that helps a lot too with Kind of showcasing certain points.
0: Sure, sure. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate the honesty. They can't all be winners, but I, I had been batting a thousand until now, so this is good. Thank oh, you for no.
3: doing this. No, <laughs> I hit th- and miss. It it had its highs and lows. I think, I think I just laughed at this movie more than they probably. In, in, in the director probably expected.
0: <laughs> well, sure, and granted, it is what seventy years old now. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's it's uh, it's easy to to go back and and uh, watching things in a modern perspective. Some movies still hold up really well, like even silent films. But then there's ones yeah. like this where, you know, well, hell, even ten years ago, there's probably some movies that that probably. Are oh yeah,
3: cheesy. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when it comes to technology, you know
3: yeah for sure (laughs) thank you
0: again Samantha
3: hey thanks
0: if you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes come check out Captain Video in San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real Captain Video is open 6 days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States new movies you can rent for $2.99 a day old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Batbeak. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.